Radio, episode two. Today we are speaking with Jason Donaldson. Sleep for Performance Radio, episode two. Today we're speaking with Jason Donaldson. All the show notes for this episode can be found at sleep for the number four performance.com.au. Uh, any links that we speak about or any information can be found in there as well as a link to Jason and further info on Jason's services also. You can also follow us on social media at Twitter at sleep for perform or at Facebook forward slash sleep for perform. If you have any feedback, please email us through via those show notes links as well. Other than that, let's get into the show. One of the reasons why I had Jason on the podcast is um, I've known Jason for about seven, eight years, initially through CrossFit when I started off in ultra running. I thought CrossFit would be a good uh, addition to strength and conditioning for me. Um, wish I had a bit more time to do both, but it's a bit, a bit difficult. But over the years, I've had some really interesting conversations with Jason. And over the last six to 12 months, Jason's been helping me out. Uh, the older I get with some flexibility, mobility, and a bit of advice on strength and conditioning as I get older as well. Because uh, Jason's quite a lot older than me by about <laughs> two years. <laughs> um, so I seek the wise man advice. But myself and Jason have had a number of really kind of cool conversations over the last six, 12 months, one-on-one around recovery, sleep, getting older as athletes, uh, coaching, the excuses we hear off people, <laughs> all different sorts of things. So I wanted to have Jason on to talk about the work that he does as the cell coach, his involvement with PSE, um, but more importantly about how he kind of programs in this aspect of sleep and recovery with athletes remotely. And uh, I also wanted to have Jason on to draw on some of his experiences from his previous life, which I'll have Jason talk about. So, um, so yeah. So, so Jason, right now, your job or your role or your title or whatever you want to call it is, is what? what? What do you actually do at present? We'll start at what we do now and then we'll work back, maybe. Great question. Uh, technically, I suppose you'd call me a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and I guess I refer to myself these days as an online strength and conditioning coach. That's where probably 95% of my work is, is in the online environment. Uh, yeah, and I do that via my own business, The Cell Coach, uh, and also through my involvement with Power Speed Endurance. So Jason, when you say Power Speed Endurance, PSE, what exactly is Power Speed, power speed Endurance for people who may not know? So Power Speed Endurance is a uh, US-based company founded by Brian McKenzie and his wife, Erin Kafari McKenzie. Uh, and we provide um, daily fundamental sports-specific coaching and programming, uh, which is really dedicated to improving skill, performance, fitness, and people's overall potential. Um, and we do that via online means. And so is that related to a specific type of athlete or is it more general? Can you, can you be any sort of athlete? Can, yeah, do you, you have can, to be professional? Do you have to be semi-pro? Can you be elite? Can you be just someone getting off the couch starting? How does it work? It, it can be pretty much anyone. Um, we, we cater for everybody from uh, you know, beginner to, to more intermediate to elite athletes. Um, and uh, 
uh, people who rely on their fitness for their job, like uh, you know tactical athletes, like um, police, military, uh, fire personnel, that sort of thing as well. Okay, so you can you can be anybody. You don't have to be some sort of athlete coming you can to be, speak to you. Be pretty much anybody. <laughs> anybody, even me. That's it. So, Jason, before you kind of got into this online coaching stuff, obviously you've been involved in the strength and conditioning and fitness area for a long time. Um, but initially, you started off in the police. Correct. How and why did you go into the police? <laughs> uh, I've pretty much grown up around uh, policing. My, my father was a police officer for 35 years here in Western Australia and um, lived the first five years of my life in the old Cottesloe Police Station here in Perth. So I was good Okay, to say let's, I was... let's just stop you there. <laughs> the Cottesloe Police Station in Perth is probably some of the best near the best beachfront property. <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent is in the US, Malibu or somewhere posh like that, but it's a really good suburb. That's why Jason laughs. That's probably a couple of million dollars to buy a house down there. So you spent your childhood in a very rough part of Cosmo. Well, up, <laughs> up to the age of five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was the old police station, so we'd occasionally have uh, uh, people come knocking on the door late at night, drunks and so forth, thinking it was still the police station. So. <laughs> My mum would answer the, uh, the door with the, the air rifle. <laughs> But yeah, so you could say I was born into policing and then uh, joined yeah, the WA Police straight from high school as a 17-year-old cadet. Uh, spent two years as a police cadet doing a traineeship and then, uh, and then went through the academy and was kind of um, let loose on the streets at uh, 19 as a, as a police officer. Okay. And so WA being West Australia? Yeah, police. West okay. Australia, yep. So policing obviously can be quite difficult um, no matter where you are in the world, regardless of sort of what you encounter, probably because of the shift work that you would encounter so what's the kind of typical shift you did well probably even before you talk about the shift what kind of roles did you do while you're in the police were the operational office based kind of what roles yeah most of my 20 years or so in the police was spent as a operational general duties officer uh, which is your your officer that kind of staffs your police station and, and provides uh, patrol and uh, response um, throughout the community. Uh, so that was the majority of my career. I did spend uh, a few years as a police prosecutor in the courts um, and as well as some um, towards the uh, latter part of that 20 years as a um, operations manager at a, uh, at a unit within the police. Uh, but yeah, most of it was operational uh, shift work. So typically in the police you do, you do three shifts, either um, day shift, afternoon shift or night shift. Uh, and you depending on where you work, depends on the length of those, but anywhere from kind of eight to 12 hours. And your actual shift pattern, again, depends on where you work. So I've worked worked some good shift patterns and some horrendous shift patterns over that 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And would there be a lot of overtime involved with that as well, like at the end of the shift or additional shifts? So like overtime being you do a 10-hour shift, but then you might have to stay back for 14 hours or you're on a day off and you have to do an additional shift. Well, yeah, does, does that happen a lot? Not, not a lot these days, mainly due to financial constraints and, and also with, um, with the way the shift patterns work and, and so forth, you can often hand over uh, a job to an oncoming team. Mm. So yeah, there, didn't do a lot of, of that in, in my time. Early in, early in my career, there was a lot, we did a lot more of that. But as, as the uh, organisation became a lot more aware of fatigue issues, uh, they brought in some some rules and implemented some some guidelines for how much overtime you actually could do, and and what was to happen at, at certain uh, points after your standard shift. 
Yeah, sure. So um, what years were you doing shift work in the police? So we can get an idea of kind of the evolution of fatigue management. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, 1995, I graduated from the police academy. <clears throat> so and, and kind of did shift work for the next 20 years, really. Um, but yeah, initially within that, that first kind of the last five years in the 90s, um, were some pretty crappy shifts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and I, I guess over the last 10 years, they've, um, they've become a lot more aware of the impact of shift work and fatigue on performance and also, um, you know, health and safety really. Yeah. Uh, and, and what happens to uh, officers when they're driving home after yeah, yeah, a shift, yeah. uh, that sort of thing. So, oh, I remember in my early days, um, driving home after after night shifts and you know almost falling asleep at the wheel because you were so fatigued and you know I've heard similar stories from guys who you know have fallen asleep at traffic lights while they're waiting for light to change yeah yeah <laughs> because they're so so tired yeah I think it's interesting because from the 90s probably through to now in the last 20 25 years there's been a massive increase in number one to focus on fatigue risk management in organizations whether it be police military forestry any of these kind of high risk activities mm. but also as well it's been probably led a little bit by universities with more and more research happening in those areas, probably because it's interesting to research in those areas, mm. um, but also driven from a little bit of probably, we'll say, customer demand where people want those research projects to be complete. And um, interesting enough, there was a very interesting study done a couple of years ago. Well, I, I'll uh, put the link in the show notes to the paper and um, to the abstract by, the paper was by Shanta Rajaratnam from Monash, who was at Harvard at the time, and Stephen Lockley at Harvard as well. They were two of the authors of many on that paper, but they looked at um, the prevalence of sort of shift work disorder across, um, I think, a couple of thousand maybe police officers in the US questionnaire based and looked at sort of the shifts that they worked, the likelihood of sleep disorders, which was quite high. Um, so it is interesting that there's more and more of these kind of studies happening, more and more research happening in these areas. Um, because obviously shift work is is the bane of a lot of people and it is Definitely. increasing as well you know and we see it a lot here in western australia with mining as well mm. so you know and uh, we could talk all day about that specifically yeah. <laughs> but um what i was interested to know about with the police work how how did you you're quite a fit healthy strong guy how did you maintain your health while working night shifts over those over those years <laughs> Um, it, it varied over the over the, my career because I've, I've fulfilled different positions. You know, went from being a, a constable, you know, on the road a lot, to then you know my latter years being a sergeant, um, more office based, uh, running the teams, that sort of thing. So it, it depended on what I what I did, and over the years I kind of played with um, training before work, training after work. Uh, those sorts of things in all right so so let me just stop on that point because that's a point that's a question we get a lot is when's mm. the best time to train is it morning or night time so what would your answer be for that for a shift my, worker? my advice is whenever you can do it <laughs> you can there do is it. there is no perfect time and you know it depends on so many factors you know to do with um you know also your, your personal uh, you know you set up you know have you got kids you know yeah, do you yeah. need to spend time with the kids at night before you go to work that sort of thing so where, where your priorities lie you know for some people they find it um almost impossible to train after work because they're so tired yeah um you know and it depended you know often depended on when i finished you know where i worked you know some some places i worked we'd finish at six in the morning uh you know in winter you could get home and kind of get into bed before it got too light yeah which i found was a lot different to finishing at say eight o'clock in the morning, getting home and it's you know bright sunshine and uh, and it's a lot harder to get to sleep then. So um, yeah, it just depended on shift patterns and so forth. I never found a perfect solution. Yeah. Um, I guess the only 
perfect solution was that when I when I did exercise, I felt better. Okay. Regardless of when that was. So you 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 felt better. Did you did you did you find that you were able to sleep better doing shift work? Yeah, typically when I um when I exercise um while I was on shift work, my my sleep was better as well. Um, you know, and I and I find that even now when I'm when I'm not on shift work, you know, the, the with exercise I have better sleep. Better sleep, yeah, yeah. interesting. Definitely. So so you trained sort of getting back to the question on how did you manage to stay healthy on shift work. So you train kind of more or less whenever you could fit it in because the yeah. shifts were so variable. Yeah. Um, was there any other sort of things you tried to do um, throughout the shift? Was there, did you try to get movement in during the shift or body weight squats? And we're talking about, you know, a fair while ago before it became cool to do body weight and movement <laughs> stuff and before people like Conor McGregor were jumping around, you know? Yeah, so yeah, like 10, sure. 15 years ago, were you, were you kind of trying to get that in on a shift or were you just kind of, on your backside in a car all day and then going running after people or how did it work yeah not really you're pretty much on your backside most of the time <laughs> either behind a um behind the steering wheel or in the car somewhere or um or at a desk in the office so um but i did find that i would try and do some sort of stretching or some sort of movement particularly yep. around my hips because you know we we'd wear you know your, your equipment belt that was kind of anywhere between about three and a half to five kilos yeah and I'd find that I'd get you know sore around the hips lower back that sort of thing so I'd tend to try and put some sort of stretching just basic movement around the hips and so forth into my night yeah um, and then kind of later in my career when I was a sergeant I found that I was able to um on my on my meal break during a, a night shift I was often able to go and do a quick training session um, you know I was still available if anything occurred uh, I was just out the back of the office and um, and I used to feel a heap better when I would do that so you know it might be three o'clock in the morning and I'd do a, a quick training session whether it be 10-15 minutes of you know throwing a kettlebell around or um, doing that with some some shuttle runs and, and, and that sort of thing so sometimes I'd chuck our right helmet and our, our uh, you know our ballistic vest on and, and I'd be running around in the uh, the parking parking lot in the backyard of the police station. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because um, uh, about a year ago I was doing some night shifts in our sleep laboratory at UW, UWA, University of Western Australia, and sort of the same thing. I got a twelve kilo kettlebell and just left it in there. And so every hour I would get up and I would do you know x amount of swings, x amount of squats, and. Um, we had a kind of a, t- a big screen TV in that control room, and I used to put up, um, being, uh, turning it down, I put up uh, boxing drills. Not that I'm yeah. a very good boxer or anything <laughs> like that, but it was just to get that movement. Yep. And it was like, so, you know, if anybody come in and looked at me and or seen me in that control room at four o'clock in the morning, swinging a kettlebell or, or jabbing nobody, they would have been like, this get, guy's mental. Get a few <laughs> weird looks. Yeah, yeah so, it. but it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And so you felt better by program, trying to get those, like a program, those little short, so yeah, fine. definitely. Yeah, when I was, uh, if I could train during the shift, you know, on night shift, felt a lot better. It's so we, even of, fifteen minutes was enough to make you feel good. Just yeah, just rebooted the, just yeah. rebooted the body, um, got some movement going, and and you know, knowing what I know now, uh, if I'd implemented that early on in my career, I think I would have um, dealt with dealt with shift work a lot better. Yeah, because it's simple, isn't it? Like you could could even like even if you're in an office or in an area where you couldn't go outside or move around, you could make a little deal with yourself. Like every fifteen minutes, I'm going to do ten squats yep. and ten push-ups. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. Like, it's just just changing your position. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's um, it's like anything. If you if you sit down in one position for too long, 
your your body tells you that you know you start getting you might get a sore butt you know if you're sitting yeah, in one yeah. position for too long so you move and you readjust um but if and, and you get you know you get comfortable again and then after a period of time you get uncomfortable then you readjust if you can rather than just change your sitting position if you can kind of stand up move around a little bit knock out some squats do a couple of burpees <laughs> but it doesn't have to be anything too dramatic um just a little kind of stretching flow type drill even um would make a, a lot of difference you know I, I know people now that keep you know like you said kettlebells uh just use a small kettlebell in their office yeah. or a band or, or anything like that just an elastic band and uh yeah, it can make a huge difference to how you feel yeah kettlebells are awesome i really like them and you, you know if you buy them you kind of have them for life they're virtually indestructible exactly. you know they're, you they're brilliant use them as a paperweight or a doorstop paperweight, in your office yeah. as well <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> multi-use multi-purpose <laughs> so so jess that's all the kind of good things you used to do when you're working shift work what was, your, what was the bad thing you used to do what was the what was the like the dirty greasy sugary food you used to yeah. go for what, what, what was your achilles heel of shift work probably, or probably what McDonald's. Was your McDonald's. probably mcdonald's yeah the, I mean, the happy clown yeah it's uh and, and back then they didn't have the healthy choices like they have now <laughs> so, I the healthy and, choices are more expensive than yeah. even the healthy choices at a, at a proper health food shop yeah and we'd, you know we'd um you know it doesn't help that you kind of get 50 percent off as a police officer at a lot of places like really? mcdonald's or, or sometimes free um, you know jason that every drunk on friday night would be going into <laughs> mcdonald's telling everybody they're a cop so yeah. do you have to be in uniform to get that discount uh, I, I never vertical. used to i never used to ask for it they would just give it to you when you you know when you roll through and you know on okay. patrol and so forth it's you know it's free security for them if you're standing around we used to go to a <laughs> mcdonald's security. in um kind of o'connor here uh you know three o'clock in the morning and and only the drive-through was open it was a, the yeah. uh, actual restaurant was closed but they used to let us in and we'd go in there and you know spend half an hour with them just having a chat and uh having a feed of whatever came came across the counter but um you know, even when I was a sergeant and I was in the office, uh, you know, running the team, I remember the guys would be like, oh, we're, we're just going out to McDonald's, Sarge, so uh, do you want anything? And, and even if I had a healthy meal that I'd brought in for that night, I'd probably, I'd always go, oh, yeah, okay, get us, get us a Big Mac, a couple of cheeseburgers, you know. <laughs> it was um, just one of those things, you know, that those early hours of the morning, um, you just crave that, that food that bad food <laughs> yeah i think a lot of shift workers do that you know um i know for myself not doing shift work anymore but when i fly internationally and you can sort of desynchronized it's that salty kind of food you want to go for that kind of like chips and salt milkshakes i love yeah. i love that sort of like it's nearly like your brain goes i want the worst food that's out there <laughs> like <laughs> you know I, you never want you never seem to want to crave an apple or an avocado no nah. it's like no i want to crave like something that's just absolute crap pretty much yeah so maccas was the achilles heel any any meal in particular while you're advertising for mcdonald's <laughs> no I, I was partial to the nuggets the you nuggets. know the nuggets and the uh you know cheeseburger um, well, not a cheeseburger, generally several. Several cheeseburgers, <laughs> yeah. They're quite small. It used to be big when we were small. That's it, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was probably the Achilles heel was was diet, you know, bad food choices or poor food choices on uh, on night shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, unless you brought something in um, from home, the only thing open was McDonald's as well. So Yeah, especially at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. in Perth. Um, yeah although we used to go to fast eddies in the back in the day fast eddies in Fremantle. that was a that was a one of our favorite haunts fast eddies is a 24-hour joint in perth in western australia there's one in the city and one in Fremantle. is one uh, not not in not Fremantle anymore. anymore no it's uh 
pretty sure it's closed down in Freo. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure many a fight was probably had in there. Definitely. So, so Jason, <laughs> th- that's that's a really interesting kind of overview of your time in the the police doing shift work, having that experience, trying to train, trying to work, and and obviously you you've got two kids as well. Mm-hmm. Two, yeah. Yeah, two boys. Yeah, okay, two boys as well. So like it's difficult to manage all those things, which is like what many people will be trying to juggle. So uh, all that experience, um. How or has that made you a better coach today when you coach people? What, how has it helped you, do you think? Just have an awareness of the challenges that a lot of people face, um, particularly those you know, with kids, those that work shift work, um, you know, those that, have been, that are in a similar situation to what I had. Um, so, yeah, it's just an awareness, that, that kind of life experience, and I understand a lot of what people are going through and why they find it hard to... You know, maybe find some time for exercise or to eat healthy, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's um, definitely definitely helps um, relate to people's uh, current circumstances. Okay. So, with with the clients that you coach, you mainly coach them online. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So, how many of those clients would you think, or how many have come to you with sleep and recovery issues? As a rough percentage, probably think? a good ninety percent. I reckon really? a, many? a very high percentage. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, was, I was going to ask you, is it mainly men, women, and age group? But if it's ninety percent, it's going to be it's everybody. Pretty much <laughs> everybody. Yeah, and and really. it's they, they don't they don't necessarily come to me with those those issues. They don't really know they have them. <laughs> yeah. So, but when I when I talk to them about sleep, uh, stress management, you know, recovery, that sort of thing, then they do become more aware of it uh, and. Yeah, people are just tired, just living life fatigued, and uh, and you know, it's it's showing in in kind of everything else that they do as well, all their other actions. Yeah, I think I think people are so busy these days, and you know, with twenty four seven work and access to the internet and TV shows and trying to balance everything, we we feel like we should be doing so much more, and we probably should be easing off a little bit and making more time for some of the real things like moving our body, keeping ourselves healthy or looking after our physical and mental health and looking after recovery a bit more. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. So what's your main advice advice to people, clients you have? Because you're going to have a range of clients, I would presume. People want to lose weight, people are trying to get fit. You even work with some semi-pro athletes or yep. pro athletes. So you've got a vast range. What's your... Um, What's your main advice to those um, athletes to improve sleep? What's the kind of general stuff you would say to them as a coach? What have you seen that works really well? Or what's the, the kind of the low-hanging fruit as people said that yeah. you could look at straight away? Yeah, really have a before-bed routine. So, you know, it's, it's stuff we say to uh, parents, you know, parents of newborn babies, you know, get them into a routine and they'll sleep better. But we lose our way with that as we get older <laughs> we yeah, don't yeah. you know we we sit on the couch and then you know we start falling asleep there and then we move off to bed have, quickly check facebook on our iphone yeah, yeah. and then uh then you know try and get to sleep and then we, we wonder why we have you know poor quality sleep or we take you know hours to fall asleep so having that um that pre-bed routine and you know say good sleep hygiene so good you know sleep environment um you know is is vital i think yeah i think uh, the sleep hygiene tips are really good and in the show notes today i'll put a, a link to 10 sleep hygiene tips that come out from the sleep health foundation here in the australasian region um so yeah i'll put those up there as well which are really good ones to follow um 
I know, Jason, you run a number of kind of weight loss challenges as well. Um, when, when people kind of focus on sleep uh, and improve their sleep by the quantity and the quality, do you see any kind of relationship with their weight loss or weight gain even for some men who might want to gain, you know, size or whatever? How, how do you see sleep in that or have you seen it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's haven't, haven't actually done any specific, I guess, measuring of that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I have, I kind of have what I call my five pillars of health and wellness. Um, and, you know, they are, you know, breathing, sleep, stress management, nutrition and exercise. And Sorry, I just said I was going to So the, the five pillars of health and wellness, you've got um, breathing. breathing. Breath. Yep. Uh, sleep, stress management, exercise and nutrition. Yeah, yeah. And and they're you know one isn't necessarily more important than the other. They all kind of work together. You've got to have them all you know in place and all dialed in. That's you know kind of more holistic. But um, sleep plays a huge a huge role. And I find you know and even when I draw my clients' attention to the importance of sleep, and they start to realise themselves that when they have uh, a poor night's sleep or, or you know say only five hours of sleep. They know that the next day, that day, they're going to be at higher risk of you know binging or snacking on those foods that we talked about before. You know the salty, the the sugary, the the high carb kind of processed foods, and they start to realise that themselves. So when their when their sleep is dialed in, um, or they're getting you know that's seven to nine hours of quality sleep a night, they find that they're they're much more able to stick to eating you know healthy food that supports their goals and also they're much more inclined to exercise yeah um, because they're not tired <laughs> which all kind of makes sense and feeds into one another it, it makes and it makes complete sense and and you know that's i think one of the main reasons why when you draw that to the attention of your clients it makes sense to them and they, they suddenly realize that you know five hours sleep a night of crappy sleep is you know, is leading into those other issues that they're having. This is a bit like the ironing board story that Jason told me today. <laughs> this is, <laughs> sometimes when we hear things and we go, oh, wow, that makes, that's so simple. It's so, it's so simple. It's so stupid that you kind of laugh. Um, Jason was telling me about a podcast he listened today with Dean Carnese, the ultra marathon man who you may have heard about before. One of the things he does is when he goes to a hotel room, is he uses the ironing board as a stand-up desk. And for some reason, this absolutely amazed me because it was so clever, so simple, and so easy. So we started talking about the application of the ironing board. You could use the ironing board at home on your table. You could buy one of the half ironing boards that go on a table at home. And it would be like a 10 to $20 investment for a little mini stand-up desk for a laptop. You don't have to spend hundreds. And it was just like, that's really good, especially when you're traveling. Because you see these little laptop risers and you know mobile stuff now. But most hotel rooms have an ironing board or you could request one. So... Very, very clever. Um, so that's why... Um. <laughs> Some, sometimes the, uh, the answer is just right in front of you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jess. So we're coming up to the, the sort of end of the end of the road here with this one. Um, I wanted to just ask you, and this is a question I'm going to ask all of the guests is, first of all, what's your number one sleep do? What should you do for sleep? What's your number one do or tip? <laughs> Apart from sleep? Um, <laughs> Be aware of your what your what your routine is before you go to bed. Um, you know, you will have one, even if you don't know about it. You yep. will have certain habits that you do before you go to bed. So, develop an awareness of exactly what that is, 
and how that's affecting your sleep. Um, you know, once you know that, then you know we can build from there. Yeah, yeah. But that that would probably be my number one do is is so, awareness. So, so like yeah. understand your pre bed routine and get a baseline around that, and then use that as an improvement. Yeah, that's right. And then we can you know once we know know what that is, um, we can work on tweaking that to you know support you know your goals and where you need to be. And so conversely, what's your number one sleep don't? What should you not do? What I'm seeing a lot lately is people relying on the data from their wearable devices, you know, Fitbits, Garmin's, that sort of stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, relying on that data as a indicator of how much sleep they're getting. And, you know, I've, I've got a, a Garmin um, wearable device myself and, and when I first got that I thought I'd, I'd check it and see how the sleep data kind of related to what um, I was doing and you know I, I sat in bed reading for 30 minutes before I go to sleep I do that every pretty much every night um, and the Garmin had actually recorded that as time of sleep so you know and, and as you've said to me before you know there's time time of sleep versus time in bed yeah 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 uh, and, and I have clients who you know, show me their, their sleep data from their, their wearable device that might say, you know, they got eight hours sleep. But in reality, they might have only got seven hours of sleep because it recorded their time in bed versus their time asleep. So, um, yes, it's okay to have some data, um, but don't rely on that as your one source of, you know, telling you how well you're sleeping. Yeah. There's other things you need to think, of, think about and, and, you know, use. So, yeah. That's that's really interesting because in the next in some of the upcoming episodes we're going to talk about wearable devices and actigraphy wrist activity monitors the pros and cons of those um, you know those devices versus the gold standard in the lab the costs all that sort of stuff we're going to really get into that in some of the the next episodes coming up in in the next few months but it's um it's a really interesting observation from you who's not in that kind of scientific validation area yeah so I think that's that's awesome to see you know coaches like you being kind of questioning and being skeptical about stuff and we should be skeptical about some of these devices and and so on and um, next week i'll be at a conference in ayers rock in australia on working it's from the working time society and i'll be presenting a poster about um where i validated or looked at i suppose if you want to call it that um the accuracy of some of these automated devices i, I took one device and basically you know what i found in my one is that it exactly like you said it's good at picking up that time in bed, but for the time to fall asleep, the sleep duration, and the time to wake up, it's pretty good. Some of the other measures maybe not so good. Mm. And so we're going to get into that as well. And there's varying levels of those. We're getting to those in, in, in some of the next episodes. So it's um, it's a real interesting area because everybody's wearing them now, you know. Yeah, you know? for sure. And, so, and yeah, you know, they have their place and they can be very useful, but um, you don't want to over rely on it. Yeah. And you also need to look at a number of data points rather than just one. One of the things I like about them is that you can actually see how much time people are making available for sleep. Mm. So you can actually go, right, yeah. well, if actually, even if it's only, if it's seven, six, whatever hours on it, you go, well, at least they allocate that amount of time. So let's increase mm. the allocation. Yep. So you kind of go from a scheduling perspective, they're scheduling that time for recovery. Mm. Let's improve that. Yep. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good that's point. Great. So Jason, you are obviously available to do to support people out there who may want to do online coaching through the cell coach or through PSE, Power Speed and yep. Jones? Yep. How can people get a hold of you? 
uh, either via my, my website, uh, thecellcoach.com.au, or via PowerSpeed Endurance, which is just powerspeedendurance.com, uh, or on, I'm on Facebook as well as Jason Donaldson, The Cell Coach, um, and the standard Instagram as well as The Cell Coach, and also PowerSpeed Endurance on Instagram. So, so if people have to head to that website, they can get the links to PSE, Power Street. Power speed, speed endurance. Yeah, correct. Power street, power speed endurance. <laughs> uh, maybe I didn't get my seven hours or nine hours last night. Um, <laughs> they can head to that website. They can get the links. They can follow you on other social media. They can get in contact through you there. And that's yep. the cell coach. The, the cell coach. As yep. in like a prison cell. T-H-E, yep, C-E-L-L, coach. Yep, correct. So, so it's very interesting that a former police officer calls himself the cell coach. <laughs> the, <laughs> and the reason for the name the cell is because uh, there's a couple of three, three reasons really. And the f- first reason is that that um, you know, you've, you've, your adaptations take place at a cellular level on your body. Oh, yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the, propel, the propeller head uh, definition of, uh, or the reason for the cell coach. And then obviously there's the connotations with the, uh, the police um, with my 20 years there. And also when um, uh, I used to train people in small groups uh, or cells of kind of six to eight people as well. Oh, yeah. so, like a section in a platoon. In yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, like a, a training cell or yeah. whatever. The, you know, so that's... It's kind of three reasons behind that name, so wow. and it just kind of sounded cool, like when I came up with it about twelve years ago. <laughs> Jason, thanks very much for being on uh, the second episode of Sleep for Performance Radio. Really appreciate that interesting conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of that, particularly those who are working shift work, trying to stay a healthy, balanced family, and even balance the the cravings for for night shift food. So thanks very much cool. for that. No worries. Thanks for having me. So that's, uh, that's great. That's uh, Jason Donaldson. Um, loads of info there in the show notes as well. Check those out. Head over to sleepforperformance.com.au. we got some free stuff up there at the moment. There's a free book there. Just enter in your email address and you can download a free uh, short ebook on managing sleep and jet lag for optimal performance. Um, in the next few weeks, we're going to have a few interesting guests. I'm, I'm heading on a bit of a, a, bit of a tour, uh, not for the podcast, but on just by circumstance. So uh, this week I'll be recording another podcast with someone completely different than Jason. It's an aspiring novelist, a former engineering director of a company who gave it all up to focus on his health and is in the midst of writing a novel. And he's had some short stories published already. Very inspiring story. He's gone from sort of sitting on the couch having a beer to running his first ultra marathon in the space of you know two to three years. And uh, he recently ran a 45k run and now he's signed up for 250k runs and he's he's just getting longer and longer as time goes on maybe i've had a bad influence on him as well so that'll be uh, mark keenan he'll be coming up on the podcast soon and then next week I'll, as i said i'll be in Ayers rock at a conference i'm hoping there to talk to some people kind of bite-sized um interviews three to five minutes on the posters of the in, uh, interview people with their posters as we go around so we'll try and put together, you know, five or six studies, a little kind of a poster blitz in under 30 minutes that we can put up as a podcast. And then I'll be heading to Germany for the European um, Sports Science Conference there, where I'll be presenting at a conference on sleep and rugby union. Um, but I'm hoping to catch a few other people there as well. We can have some interviews with particularly those working with elite athletes. And uh, there's a few other people in Ireland I'm going to hit up as well, which I haven't confirmed, which I'll, I'll give you details as well. But you can always head over to www.sleepforperformance, that's the number four, .com.au. Head to the tab that says Sleep for Performance Radio, and you'll see updates there, episodes there. Uh, we'll be up on iTunes as well very shortly. We've just been approved, and we're still waiting for Stitcher approval, but we're on Podbean as well. So Podbean and iTunes, you can listen to those. 
Thank you very much for listening. Train well and sleep well. <laughs>